Episode 238 of the Bevan James Isle Show, five things to think about when you're trying to cement long-term change. Radio team, welcome along to episode 238 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. It's a Bevan Show, I haven't done a Bevan Show in a few episodes because I've had a couple of interviews, and I'm trying to line up a really cool interview for my next episode, so I like getting good interviews, um, but I also like doing my Bevan Shows. And today's show is a show about a topic that I've been thinking a little bit lately about, and um, really it's is some some strategies to cement long-term change. After people go through moments of change, and then they kind of go back to what they were, and I, I, I want to talk, and there's probably lots of things we can do in this area, but I've got five things I think to think about when you're actually trying to create long-term change, and we'll go deeper into that in this, and later on in the show. Uh, secondly, uh, I do actually want to talk about something before I start the main gist of the show. So I had a really, uh, really interesting experience this week. So I got asked to do a presentation in in Christchurch here, five of the primary schools within a certain kind of cluster decided to put together, they started this new thing, which was a conference for kids going from primary to high school. So for those people overseas, basically, you know, think of high school, it's the kids getting ready to go to high school. So they're about 13, 12, 13, and they're at that last moment of high school, and the next six months are going to go to high school. And the the presentation I had to do for these kids was kind of 45 minutes and I just said, can you do something good for 13-year-olds? And I said yes to it about a year ago, and it was meant to happen a year ago, and then COVID happened. And so I got postponed, and at the time they said, "Can you, can you do you mind if we get in contact again? And so they gave me a date, which was this week, and I kind of just forgot about it. And then about you know a month ago, they sent me the email just saying, hey, are you still confirmed? And I was like, yep, all good. Now... I do a lot of public speaking, and I really enjoy public speaking. Here's the thing about public speaking. As a public speaker, you're a bit like a comedian, as in that when you go watch a comedian live, you think you've heard that comedian tell those jokes for the first time, especially if they're a really great comedian. But if you go to the comedian show the next night, it's pretty much the same jokes, and that's the same thing day in, day out. And as a public speaker, I tend to have... 10 talks or I probably in theory I probably have about 20 subjects and each and the way I design a talk is I do a I tend to do my origin story which is like 10 minutes and then depending on the need of who I'm speaking to I'll I'll put together and the time frame I have so they might want to speak for an hour so in an hour I'll do my origin talk and then there'll be three key lessons I want you to take away from that and so really I have about 20 key lessons and I've got all these kind of stories and, and ways I present these lessons that I've got kind of in my, my my repertoire of speaking. And so when someone comes to me and they say, can you do a talk? I say, yep. And I say, what are the needs of your, what do you want to kind of get for this talk? And then I kind of think, okay, well, this this 15-minute block will really well because this message is important to what they're needing to do. And then I'll put together the talk, I'll practice, I'll go do the talk, and, you know, Bob's your uncle. Well, sometimes I say yes to a talk, and I actually haven't got a talk for them. And this is what happened this week. So, you know, I haven't done it. I've never spoken to a group of 13-year-olds before. 
And so A, it means it's a lot more work for me because I have to design a talk. And designing a talk is something that takes a lot of time because you've got to You've got to kind of think of what are your messages. You've got to spend a lot of time thinking of, I always think you've got to find the stories because it's, it's really about stories. You've got to find stories which which are really great stories that are leading to the revolution or the, you know, the revealing of the message. And then once you reveal the message, you might give some practical advice after the fact. But, but ultimately, you're trying to find great stories. And if I go back to those 15-minute blocks, each of the key, those 20 kind of blocks I have, They've got key messages, and there might be practical application, but they always start with a story. So designing a new talk takes a lot of time. And basically, on Sunday last week, I was doing the talk on Wednesday morning at 9.30. So on Sunday last week, I gave myself about two or three hours, then I booked out two or three hours on both the Monday and the Tuesday. So I gave myself about seven hours to design this talk, which is a lot of time, and um, there's probably a bit of a buffer in there, and it's a 45-minute talk. So I kind of thought, you know, takes that much time. Well, I started down to sit down to design a talk, and I was instantly in trouble, because, like, what do you speak to 13-year-olds about? And I actually started my talk with this kind of concept of, I don't know you. Like, I don't know. You know, like, there's that thing of, we've been that age before, so we think we have insight into that age. You know, it's that thing of, when you're 20, you look back at a 15-year-old and you think, I know so much about your life. And there's a truth to this. There is a truth to this thing that, you know, we, you know, experience of, of a previous life or a previous time does show insight. You know, like, you know, when you think of the angst of being a teenager, most of us kind of understand it after the teenage period. But then I don't actually know exactly what that life is right now. Like I'm a 45-year-old man. Me, 13 years, you know, that's 30 years ago for me. So when I sat down at his own talk, I, I really started to struggle about A, how do I start the talk? And B, what are the messages that I want to put together? And I struggled so much. So I worked on Sunday, I worked on Monday, and I worked on Tuesday. And by the end of Tuesday, I still hadn't completed it. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd found my intro, I'd found my first and second point, but my third point, I hadn't, I knew the point, I knew the point I wanted to share with them, but I, I didn't know the story, I didn't know how to put it together. So, literally, Wednesday morning comes along, I had to go coach my runners, so I get home at 7.30, this, this presentation's happening at 9.30, I have an hour to finish the talk off, basically, because I've got, you know, 8.30, I've got to get in the car, get to this presentation, do the presentation. I, I get there. I do get there. And it was interesting. Joe was saying it was really interesting because I, you know, I was, I was pretty stressed. I've got to be honest, I was pretty stressed because, because A, I hadn't really finished the talk at, at, on Wednesday morning. I finished two parts of it, but I hadn't finished the last part. And designing talks one thing, but... Practice and repetition is another thing. So if you come along and get me to do a talk, even though I've got those 20 blocks, I would have practiced it in my office here, standing up, actually doing the whole talk with my slides in front of you 10 times or, or quite a few times, maybe not 10 times, but I've done it a few times so I know my beats, even my origin story. Even though I could tell you my origin story from start to finish right now, I would still go over it in my head and, and, and practice it out loud because I like to have that kind of cementing of the experience I'm going to create by practicing it before I do it. And so while I, I on, on by the end I did actually get the presentation done, 
I hadn't practiced it to a level that I knew that I liked to do. So as I leave from my house, I, I, I definitely knew I had a presentation, which was good. I'm not, I wasn't confident in my presentation of it. Not that I thought I was going to be terrible, because I, I obviously got a base level of skill in this area, but I didn't know my beats. You know, you, you kind of know your beats. You kind of know the beats when you've done your practice. So I turn up. And I'm a lady, lovely lady called Gretchen had coordinated the talk, and I go up to her and say, and, and I was really upfront. I said, I'm going to be really honest. I've really struggled with this presentation because I'm not quite sure of the level to pitch it at and the tone to pitch it at. Now, one thing I wanted to do is I did want to do it in a way where, you know, I wanted to, to treat the 13 year olds like intelligent people. I don't want, you know, it wasn't being a, you know, like condescending or looking down on the, you know, like it was like, mate, you guys are intelligent. I've got some stuff to offer, you know, and even as, and that's, that's why I always approach a talk. I always approach a talk of you got, whoever I'm talking to is an intelligent bunch of people. You've got levels of success. You've obviously done pretty well in some areas of your life. I've got something to offer. And I think it's really important as a presenter because, um, you know, if you respect your audience, then they'll respect you. And so even with 13-year-olds, I wanted to have that experience. But I arrived at this kind of venue, and the kids hadn't arrived yet, and I go up to Gretchen, and I just say, look, I've really struggled with this. I hope I've got it right, but I'm not quite sure if I have. The kids come along, and, and, and one thing that's really important in, in any area of your life is you want to give them a sense of, they're in good hands. So as much as I was feeling a bit of doubt myself, it was one of those kind of fake it till you make it moments. So when the kids arrived, I had good energy. I was saying hi to the kids. I was connecting with the kids. I was kind of build that rapport before I got up and presented with them. So uh, they do a bit of a, they do a bit of an introduction. They kind of do the, the, the thing, the first 15 minutes where they're talking through their day and the rest of it. And then I come on and do my talk. And it was a success. It was a real success, like so much so, one of the teachers came up to me afterwards um, with tears in her eye and, and saying, you know, you, you really nailed it out of the park. Now, I was, it was one of those moments, you know, sometimes, like I really like preparation. Like I really like preparation. And the reason I really like preparation is because I like to go into situations with trust that I'm going to do well. And in this situation, I didn't have that level of trust. And luckily, I pulled off. And there's a story I could have told where I didn't quite pull it off in this situation. Luckily, I did. Um, but when she came up to me, and, you know, like, it's, it was really interesting because I knew I had the kids as well. Because as a speaker, you know you've got your audience, you know, and especially, you know, because you have their attention and they're drawn into you and, and their eyes are on you and there's this thing. And I, I have to be honest, with kids, I wasn't sure if I'd had that ability. And, and so the talk went well. And I just thought, why am I telling you all this right now? Well, because I thought I'd share my three key points to these kids. Because one thing I thought about when I did finally crack what I wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about universal truths. Universal truths that no matter what your age are really important. But also when we think of the teenager going from kind of that school before high school, now in New Zealand it's kind of primary or intermediate. I don't know what that would be in your country, but if you're overseas it would be a different thing. You know, it's it's I wanted to give them philosophies that are really important at that moment, in that massive transition moment in your life, but also for long term future living. And and I get it. You know, these three points are good points. Some of them, kids may even thought they're cool. Maybe they won't apply them or not. But but you know, they, they they had a note. So what were the points? 
Point number one, and I'm not going to tell you this. I'm not going to do the the presentation I did. I'm just going to tell you the points. So point number one was you need to learn to love. No, sorry. You need to learn. You need to learn how to manage and enjoy the uncomfortable part of growth. You need to learn to manage and enjoy the uncomfortable part of growth. Now you think right now you're 13 and you're going to high school there's so much growth in front of you. There's social growth, there's academic growth, there's um, emotional growth, there's, you know, there's all these moments, many new moments, moments of change these kids have to face. And if they close themselves off at those moments, they're going to limit themselves. And and I often think, and I told them, the story I kind of told was, because I failed high school, like I, I left at 15, no qualifications at all. So, I, you know, like it's funny that I'm doing this, this talk to these kids and I talked to my, about my failure and I talked about how ultimately when I got to high school, I was so uncomfortable with growth that I just ended up quitting. And I think this is a great metaphor for life in general because I think what happens is, because here's the thing, growth is uncomfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. Like, think of me playing the piano when I get to a, a piece that's really uncomfortable. It's that thing where it gets really uncomfortable when you want to grab your phone. Because why do you grab your phone? Because it's uncomfortable. Or when you're doing exercise to a new level and you're trying to talk yourself out of it. Why are you trying to talk yourself out of it? Because it's uncomfortable. But if you want to be somebody who grows in life, you need to learn how to manage and enjoy that. And when you look at people who are consistent growers in life, they, they learn how to manage that. And I was actually speaking to someone recently, and I was talking about a guy called uh, Christian Blumenfeld. Christian Blumenfeld, for those in triathlon, you'll know who he is, but for those outside of triathlon, he is, in the last 12 months, has arguably had the greatest 12 months in the history of the sport. He's won the, the Olympic gold medal, literally, almost, well, it was kind of just 12 months ago to the day. He's won the Ironman World Championships. He's won, he went under seven hours, the first person in the history to go under seven hours. He's, he's just been a freak of nature in the last 12 months. And I love, I love when you look at athletes, because when you look at athletes, there's many types of athletes. There's a, the kind of the, the middle of the road athlete, who's just a good athlete, but maybe doesn't have a you know, top form. Then you get athletes who have moments of greatness, but don't have a sustained career. And then you get athletes who have a long-term sustained career. Now, one thing about those people is they know how to turn up consistently at the highest of highest level. Like, think about your favourite sport. Who's their athlete? Like, I think of it in rugby league right now, like Cameron Smith. I think of in, in triathlon, Jan Fredino, um, Daniela Reef, Chrissy Wellington in triathlon. You know, in your sport, who is the athlete who consistently performed at the highest level for a long period of time? And what these people have learned to do is they've learned to manage that place. They, they know that place and they know how to go there and they enjoy being in that place. And that's the message I want to get to kids because as they go to high school, they're going to, be, they're going to have lots of uncomfortable. And if you can't manage it and you don't enjoy it, what are you going to do? You're going to repress yourself and with, withdraw yourself and go to safety where you will limit your growth in your life. So that's why I wanted to get that message to kids. Now, as I talk about this right now to you, how are you good at you? How good are you at managing 
and enjoying the uncomfortable that comes with growth. It's not, not uncomfortable, it's the uncomfortable that comes with growth. Like when you're doing something that requires a lot of focus, how long? How good are you at managing it? When you Do you enjoy that place? And that's what we've got you to get you to think about is, again, manage and enjoy the uncomfortable side of growth. So that was my first point. My second point was, you know, you probably heard me talk on the show, you know, when we think about teenagers, one of the biggest parts of their next moment is um, connection. And it's a really important thing because often at that early, that stage of life, friends is the most important thing. But also at the early stage of life, you can just make lots of mistakes. You know, you can you can do things that, you know, and, and it's part of learning. You know, it's part of learning, obviously. But you you can make mistakes around relationship. You can you can hurt people around relationship. Um, you don't know how to deal with your own emotion because you're going through so much change that you can do things that you regret later after the fact. Like I think of myself as a teenage kid, and I like to my partners, I was a pretty horrible partner. Um, to my friends, at times I talk behind backs. You know, it's kind of just basic stuff. And I I've got a saying which I've probably talked about on this podcast. I guarantee I would have. And it's when people spend time with me, they will feel better. And I wanted to share that message with them. And I think I even changed the context around it. Actually, let me pull up the notes for this talk. Because um, I think I actually, I'm going to pause, I'm going to pause, because I I think I changed the reference of it just a little bit. I'll be back in one second. That's what I did. Yeah, so what I did was, my the saying I have is, when people spend time with me, they will feel life is better. Um, and, And I just put there and there. So when people spend a lot of time with me, they'll feel their life is better. And again, I won't go too deep in this one because I've talked about this on the show, but it is that thing of um, what do you do in the way you get, what do you do in the way you give to the world and give to other people that makes them feel their life is better? You know, like it's 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 little things, but um, and it, w- another teacher came up to me afterwards and she said, I used to do your classes at the gym. She said, You you, you knew when Bevan arrived and you knew you you felt great, and you know, and when you walked out, you always felt great about yourself. You know, that's now, now I well, first thing I do is when I walk into the gym and I walk into a class, I yell out to everyone, hey, Everyone, awesome to see you here. You know, that's a small thing that I do to make people feel good. When they leave, I'll, I'll use a lot of statements about them. You know, you guys are so hardworking. You know, so I'm using, I'm thinking about these things in my interaction with other people. When I talk to people, I try to open up their possibilities. So it's that kind of when people spend time with me, they'll feel their life is better. Is a really interesting thing to think about. And obviously as kids are going into this period of their life, that's a subject I wanted to talk about. And then the last subject, and again, I'll probably talk about this on the podcast, but I, I guarantee I have, so I won't go too deeply into it, but was that thing that Bob Dylan talked about was when, um, what was the thing he said? It was, I, th- I always hear people talking about finding themselves. I thought it was my job to create myself, create the person I want to be. And I just thought that was a really cool message to give to teenagers because, you know, like going into that teenage years, you do get to create who you want to be. And if you close off to what high school has to offer, you could actually miss the opportunity. And so I just wanted to kind of share that message with them as well. So so those were the three messages. It was A, number one. What was number one? It was learn to manage and enjoy the uncomfortable side of growing. Number two was... When people spend time with me, they'll feel their life is better. And then number three was life is not about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself.
So, again, hopefully, you know, they are universal. Maybe there's something in there for you. Anyway, let's get into the main gist of today's show. Today's show, I, well, before I do, I just want to say a big thank you to the patrons of the show. The patrons are the people who give some of their hard-earned money each time I release an episode of this podcast. And when you become a patron, you get a cool Bevan James Old Show nickname. And here are some of the people that are patrons of the show. First of all, we have, who we got here? We've got Brittany Mystic McEachin. We've got Greg the Python Crowley, we've got Luke Mayhem Miller, we've got Pip Silent Assassin uh, Langford, and we've got Kate the Perfect One Sowden. If you want to become a patron again, go to bevanjamesisles.com, click on podcast, click on support me, and you can go your way. Actually, one other way you can support me is get my book. That's the best way to support me. Go to passionaboutexercise.com, support my book. When you get my book, remember you get the bonuses of the workouts. You also get my seven-day goal-setting workshop. Uh, these are both worth the value of the book in itself. So, you know, if you want to set some goals, you want to set some goals, um, go get my book and you can get my goal-setting workshop as well. Anyway, here is the main gist of the show. So this morning I had a really interesting experience. I got my running group and we kind of just started our new get up to five group. So and it's a good time of year to start to five group because in winter it's definitely more challenging for people in winter. And we get a group in winter and, and they do really well, seriously. But you know, spring is obviously a moment where a lot of people think about change. It's a bit like the beginning of the year. Come out of winter, you want to create change. Beginning of the year, you want to create change. So our group's always pretty big as we head into the spring. And uh, it's also just nicer time to train. But we had a new group come along this morning. And we had a lady come up to us, uh, come up to me, who had joined the group a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, and done the group, no, probably two years ago, actually. Had done the group two years ago and did it once, ran 5Ks, and then kind of, went and did her own thing after the fact and obviously in that time she had fallen away from running and she said to me that she'd gone through some pretty hard life stuff and I didn't dig too deep but obviously I was saying well it's good to have you back and she said actually you made a video I do my keep active with Bevan videos if you want to get those emailed to you go to keepactivewithbevan.com um and each week I just kind of make a, a seven-minute clip, which I send out to my database. And I made a, a clip a few weeks ago about how I had a really crap Friday. And it was kind of like just a really wasteful day, a really dissatisfying day, and, you know, just not a great day. And uh, the message of it is that I didn't let my Friday creep into my Saturday. So I had a crap Friday you know, I think I spent way too much time on the phone, ate way too much food, did no exercise. I would have gone for a walk. I always do for a walk on a Friday. But, you know, and it was just a really dissatisfying day. But then the message was, the good thing about me is on the Saturday morning, I got up and I was straight back on track. And it was just kind of like, we all have crap days. Don't let it be the norm. And she said to me, when I saw that video, I knew I needed to come back to the group because I've, I've kind of been living a bit like lots of crap Fridays. And so... She joined back to the group, and it was really good because A, she's a lovely person, B, we'll, we'll help her get back to a good place, and C, she's made a good decision for herself. And as I'm talking to her, a guy called Gareth comes up behind her and, and taps her on her shoulder, and she sees him, and she goes, oh my god, good to see you, and there's kind of a nice moment of connection. And the reason they knew each other, and I, at first I thought they must know each other from life, you know, that maybe they knew each other from work or something like that, but it wasn't the case. Uh, she had met Gareth when she did Gareth to Five two years ago. And there, there was a moment of massive contrast because 
Gareth, two years ago, joined our group. And he was, I don't know how big he was, but I think Gareth's lost maybe 20 to 30 kg. He's lost a lot of weight. Um, and now he's an athlete. Like, now Gareth has gone from being an overweight, non-moving person um, to, you know, not just losing the weight, but but a focused, hard athlete. So much so, actually, another one of our runners, a lovely lady called Penny. We did our, our epic race a couple of weeks ago, and Penny was telling me, um, when you see, like, when you work with people a lot, like, I, I've got our racing group, which tends to be about 100 people, and they tend to come back a lot, so we get to know them really well. And you see when someone's gone to that next level, and recently, Penny's been with us for a long time, but recently, Penny's has gone, she was just focused. You know, you, she was just, you know, you could see it in her training. She was running fast and she ever had to watch. She had that look. There's a look. You really is. When you see someone who's ran with you for a long time who decides to go to that next level, they they have a look. And Penny had this look. And after we had the race, where they had a race a couple of weeks ago and we had a kind of a catch up after the fact. And I just went up to Penny and I said, mate, I'm really proud of you because I could see that you'd gone to the next level in this block and I could see how focused you were. And she said, yeah, I, I, I've, I've, you know, A, not just for my training, I got a nutritionist, I just, I was more committed, I did more planning, you know, she just did everything to the next level. And I think on the race day, she she really, she's nailed, well, she did nail the race, I don't know by how much, but she absolutely nailed the race. And she just basically showed a higher level of commitment to her achieving the things that she wanted to achieve. And Penny said to me, what really inspired me was Gareth. You know, when Gareth trains, he always turns up, and you can just see he always gives it everything he's got. And after seeing him, I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to that level. And that was a cool moment because Gareth two years ago was an overweight, unfit man who was doing no exercise at all. Now's lost thirty kg. Now's you know now's you know, smashing out half marathons. Now's now's an athlete. But also an athlete who inspires other athletes because Penny's not a beginner. Penny's Penny's been running for years. She's done marathons. She's done half. She's done lots of racing, and she was inspired by Gareth. And it was a really cool thing. But taking it back to this morning, this was a really interesting moment because we had this really interesting moment of contrast. Because two years ago, both Gareth and the other lady had decided to join our Get Up to Five product, and they ran five k's eight weeks later. Awesome. But now two years later, the contrast in where they are in their journey is completely different. Because the other lady came along, did the journey, and then kind of went back to herself. And Gareth didn't. Gareth committed to, to full-term change. And Gareth is a different person. He's, he's a, you know, physically, mentally, and psychologically. Now, I'm not picking on this other lady, but it's a really interesting thing. And it made me think about long-term change and and when I think about long-term change there's many there's like many tips I can give on this you know there's lots of tips so I just want to give you five tips to think about and I want you and this is I want to put some context around this because when I talk about long-term change I want to talk about long-term change where you've actually already experienced some change and let's think back to that lady I'm talking about this morning so I'm not talking about you're not doing anything right now I'm actually talking about that moment where you've actually experienced some success so it might be that you've gone on a diet and you've lost that 5kg. Or it might be like that lady, you've started an exercise program and you actually completed it. Or it might be that you started a hobby and you, and you got to your first grade. 
This is always a really interesting moment because there's a lot of people who get to that moment of the first success and then fall back. And I have that philosophy I talk about, hey, it's that philosophy of going back to default. You know, going back to default, you know, I want to have change. I, I do change for a while and then I go back to default. And the analogy I'll use, and, and I've used it on this podcast before, is that, you know, you're in a relationship and you're in a place where, um, you, you know, maybe a little bit dissatisfied in a relationship. You talk to your partner, you decide, you know, you're going to date night every week. You do it for three weeks. It's actually really valuable. And then the fourth week you go, let's watch Netflix. And what's happening is you're going back to default. And, and often this happens after a moment of success with change. And so... Oh, the, the context or the kind of context I want to put this around is this context of once you've already experienced the first point of success, how do you cement long-term change? Okay, so it's not when you're right at the beginning. It's you know you've done that first exercise program, you've you've lost that first bit of weight, you're stuck at some kind of change in dietary habits for a period of time, you know whatever it is. Okay, first number one is don't leave. The things that made you successful. Don't leave the things that made you successful. If, if, if particularly if you put yourself in an environment around around your change. So, think back to Gareth and the lady who joined two years ago. So she achieved her goal, and, and she signed up to run five k's. That was her goal. But then after that, she left our environment. So our environment is great coaching, great camaraderie, great group work, great support great guidance she was in a really good environment and then as soon as she achieved her goal she left us she she moved on now gareth in contrast committed more to us he, he made a commitment to us and actually i remember gareth in his first year he'd done our 10k group and we have our half marathon group and we have our epic one which you may have heard me talk about in the past which is this really hard half marathon and normally we say you have to have done a half marathon to do epic and gareth's like oh, i think i want to do it and it's like Man, that's a big commitment, and, and Gareth did it. And so one of the biggest mistakes people make when, they, particularly, because I'll go back a step. I actually think the best thing you can do if you want to do that first point of change is put yourself in an environment of great leaders. Like, look at my book, that's what I'm all about. And so the first thing is, is don't leave the thing that made you successful. And don't think you can do it by yourself, especially in this first point. Now, interestingly, it's been one question I've been asked a lot when I've been doing interviews for my book. You know, people say, well, what do you think, how long do you think it actually takes to, to create long-term permanent change? And I actually think it's a year to 18 months. I think it's a year to 18 months to create a long-term. Now, you need milestones and stepping stones along the way. So if we think of our running journey, it's that 5K, they, do, they tend to do 5K twice, which is basically four months. Then they do a 10K twice which is another four months and then they get up to a half marathon so it's like a year to get to a half marathon and then if they come back for the second half marathon group they tend to exercise forever that's my experience now there's been milestones along the way and i think the first thing is if you're not doing it if you're, if you're near of no change at all first thing is, is put yourself in an environment of great leaders who, who know how to guide you but then when you get your first milestone don't leave the environment like don't leave it seriously it's, it's one of the one of the biggest things, mistakes people make, is after that first milestone, they leave and they go back to default. So that's my number one. Number two is then once you are make, not going to leave, is you embrace like crazy. So you, you actually become a bigger part of the environment. And there's many ways you can do this. You can choose to 
um, you know, you can choose to support the environment. It might be that you do volunteer work, or you might, you know, you might help on committees if it's like a sporting club or something like that. Um, you might help to mentor the new people who are bringing and coming through. You know, there's ways that you can embrace the environment even more. Because if you embrace the environment even more, you're showing a higher level of commitment to to that environment and I think that's a really important thing to do because the more you can kind of put your roots into the environment the better you're going to be and and I'm talking a lot about Gareth today but Gareth is he unfortunately he had to go he's I think he's from I think he's Scottish I can't remember if he's Scottish or Irish or even Welsh I don't know he's, he's from that part of the world and um he had to go back home because of some family sickness recently and he didn't get to do the race that he'd been training for a, a race that happened a few weeks ago and he was on Facebook, on our group, giving everyone cheer in the morning, giving him a big, you know, he he's embracing the group. And I think that's a really important part. So first of all, once you have your first moment of success, don't leave the group or don't leave the environment. But secondly, embrace it and go further. Seriously, if you, if you want to get that long-term change, embrace it. And like even like a Weight Watchers or a diet loss, you know, how can you support other people on their journey? It's a good way of doing it. Number three, this is a really important one. Don't stay still. Okay? Keep moving. It's really important. Because I look at my our running business, and when we look at, sometimes we do get people who do this, they kind of do the Gap to Five product, and that's all they ever do. They just do it over and over again. And, and to be honest, at the end of the world, at the end of the day, I don't mind that because, you know, some people, they actually can't go further, so fair enough. But some people are just staying safe. And I think if you want to create long-term permanent change, you have to keep progressing as a person. You have to have moments where you've got to evolve yourself a little bit more. You've got to find higher levels. You've got to, I love this kind of concept of leveling up. You have to level up in life to be able to do that. And it's a really important part of your success is that, you know, you don't just get to that first point in your achievement and make that the norm. And even though that might be, you know, it might be that you start an exercise routine that you've got walking three times a week for 30 minutes and that's more than what you're doing and that's a really good healthy routine, leveling up is a better way to create long-term change. So when you're on this pathway, the third thing to think about is don't sit still, keep moving forward. And it's in your evolution and your development pathway. So it'll be setting high-level goals, training, deeper understanding, you know, working through all these things in the long term. Um, fourthly, learn yourself. And what I mean by learn yourself is actually become a learner in the area that you're in. So, you know, like start to, if I'm going to use running, start to read running books. Start to watch YouTube clips from people who are experts in this field. Like start to actually become an educated person in this area area because I think when you have an education in an area you do feel more aligned and you do feel a deeper sense of where you know of, of being a part of that world you know and so I think ultimately what we want to think about is that you know add that learning component to creating long-term change because I think yeah I just think it's an important thing and then the fifth thing and, and I'll be honest I kind of stole this from the book to be honest um help others you know like if, if, if you if you you know, say become a teacher, ultimately, become a teacher. And it doesn't mean you have to become like a running coach in my running world, but it's, it's that kind of, 
help others and help others is really interesting actually because i think of you know like every group needs your social connectors you know like a group you know like i think about a group we've got we've got some people who are more quieter souls and they'll and, and they'll kind of turn up and they'll sit to the side and, and they're actually happy to do that and it's not you know they're just that's the way they are and then you'll get people who are real social connectors and when we think about helping others it can be as simple as making someone feel welcome into a new environment you know, like if you've if you've committed to an environment for a long period of time, helping others can be making someone feel welcomed. Now it can be because you've learned you're actually helping others in their growth pathway. But I just think when when you you've got to that level and you're helping other people, do you think you've cemented that behaviour for the long term? Uh, ultimately, you are, aren't you? Like if if you're teaching and guiding and helping people in, in many ways in a certain area of your life, you're probably doing pretty well in that life yourself. And so I just think that kind of helping others. And and maybe a good thing to think about is don't wait, don't wait long. Like let's say you are that you know where that lady was this morning. Start helping people now. Like well, you don't have to be an expert, you know, like it doesn't mean that the way you help doesn't have to be that you are the guru in the area. It's just that you can find way to help other people based on what you can bring to the environment yourself. You know, I think it's a really good way of looking at it. So it's not just, you know, well, I don't, I, I don't know about running technique. Well, you don't have to help them running technique. You just help them feel welcomed, or you can help them by giving them some advice on what you've done up to this point in time, or you can help them, you know, by praising them when they've done well. You know, like if you think of if, if you're helping somebody on their journey, do you think that cements you? And I think that's a really important thing to think about. So what are my five things? Okay, well, ultimately, it's first of don't leave who made you successful. Totally don't leave it. Actually embrace it. And that's number two. Embrace what they have to offer. Go deeper into it. Thirdly, don't stand still. Keep moving. Keep progressing. Keep evolving yourself. It's so, so important. Uh, fourthly, learn yourself. So what I mean is start to learn in this area and start to really educate and, and learn and you know embrace lots about this area and then lastly help others like do you think in an area where maybe you've been a bit yo-yo in the past do you think if you had cemented those five things you'd be more successful you probably would eh and it's a really good thing to think about so ultimately what what we want is we want you to be more like a gareth and less like the other lady. now don't get me wrong the other lady's back and we'll, and we'll get her there and, and, and i'm not picking on the other lady because far from it but Gareth's just a really good role model in this example. And I think ultimately, when we say we want change, we want permanent change. We just don't want change. Like we want permanent change. And that's where Gareth has nailed it. He's had permanent change in his life. Like I guarantee five years from now, I'll see Gareth. And hopefully he's still running with us. But even if he isn't, he'll be running somewhere in this world. And that's what we want to create, permanent change. As always, this will make you be a higher version of yourself. Right, team. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. Hopefully some good stuff for you to think about in there. You know, like this whole change, not change. You know, like it's definitely something we've got to get right in life. And uh, I, I like that last statement I said. We don't want change. We want permanent change. You know, and I think um, you've got to respect people. With, like I remember I spoke to a lady a while ago, and she lost like forty kg. And uh, I said, "Oh wow, when did you lose weight?" She said, oh, 12 years ago." And she ended on the op, and, and I have nothing against the op, but she lost the weight. And I said, wow, man, it's pretty impressive. And she goes, yeah, it was, it's been tough. And, it's, and she said, Bevan, it always takes effort. You know, but 
that's 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 permanent change. That's the ultimate. Now, I've checked five key points at you today. I'm sure you've got other things that you can do to create permanent change in your life. Because if you want to create change, you want it forever, don't you? Especially if it's in positive areas. So hopefully there's something in there for you. Anyway, that's uh, this week's show pretty much done and dusted. A couple of things. If you want to get my book, Bevan James. Oh, sorry. My book is passionaboutexercise.com. It's still, it's still selling really well. And we haven't even started marketing yet, which is really exciting because we'll start marketing it soon. And that's when we'll really see if we can make it a bigger product. Um, but that's pretty exciting. Um, remember, when you get my book, you get the workouts. You also get my seven-day goal setting workshop. Uh, so get up there. The book's only $37. So you get a book, goal setting workshop, and 12 workouts for just $37. Come on, it's a no-brainer. Uh, if you also want to support show, bevanjamesisles.com. And uh, that's pretty much it. Today's show done. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I've got, I've got an interview. I haven't actually asked the person yet, but I was speaking to them a few weeks ago, and they're doing some study in a really cool area. And I thought, you know what? I need to get this person on the show. And I know they're actually a listener of the show. So, yeah, if you're listening to the show, and I was speaking to you a few weeks ago about study, I'm probably going to be in contact with you over the next couple of days. Anyway, that's this week's show done. And Dustin, as always, keep being you and keep being great. <laughs>